every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Martha Avilas. At the time of recording, Martha was the VP of Marketing at Talru before recently accepting a new role at Gigster as their VP of Marketing. She brings more than 20 years of high-tech marketing experience to today's episode, spanning startups, private, and public companies. Martha has successfully led through 20-plus mergers and acquisitions throughout her career, including managing several integration and acquisition exits. Plus, her experience includes SaaS, semiconductor, networking, and network security. In this episode, find out how Talru leverages dynamic market segmentation to meet customers precisely where they are in their buying journey and discover why a test and learn mentality is the bedrock of their innovative demand generation strategies. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Qualified. If you're a revenue team that runs your business on Salesforce, Qualified will accelerate your lead generation, pipeline, and ultimately revenue. Learn more at qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Martha Avilas, former VP of Marketing at Talru, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Qualified. Go to qualified.com. We love them very dearly. Go check them out. And today I am joined by a very special guest. Martha, how are you? Hi, Ian. Good to be here with you. So today we're going to be talking about marketing at Talru and of course getting into your background a little bit. So, you know, first off, what was your first job in Demandgen? First job in Demandgen. I would say it was probably in Veris. It was an oil and gas SaaS platform that helped you uncover the hydrocarbons in the subsurface of the earth. It sounds very complicated, but basically it helped you drill well. Oh, crazy. And and flash forward to today, tell us a little bit about Talru. Yes, Talru, we help mid-market and enterprise companies hire essential workers. Think warehouse workers, call center workers, FedEx, Home Depot, Amazon, nurses, home health care. It's, it's broad. That's why we say essential workers. Yeah, we help. We're a talent acquisition platform. Let's get into our first segment, the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree in the nest, are we not? Where you go and feel honest and trusted and you can share those deepest, darkest marketing secrets. So within those types of companies, who are you selling to? What is that buyer persona? Sure. I mean, it depends on the size of the company, but typically it's some sort of talent acquisition leader, right? Could be a CHRO but it's usually a director or a VP of talent acquisition. And that buying committee, it seems like, you know, everyone's sort of in the talent side are the people who are buying it, the end users as well. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. They may have a recruiting team. They may have an operations team, uh, an HR operations team. It It depends, right? Or think about franchises even. Sometimes the buyer isn't necessarily the user. 
And how do you structure your marketing organization to, to go to market? We have a growth team. Our growth team is everything around paid media, SEM, the website, digital marketing, paid social, that sort of thing. They're helping drive ult- ultimately growth for the business, but pipeline is super important. And we've got a product marketing team. Obviously, they partner with the product and sales teams for sales enablement, product launches, what have you. We've got a brand and events team and then kind of corporate marketing and PR as well. Where does demand fit within your marketing strategy? How do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, I think demand is a huge part of every marketing strategy. It helps you get a seat at the table if you're able to prove that growing demand for the business is a positive ROI for marketing investment, right? I think about it across all of the departments. The growth team primarily owns it, but without the content or the brand initiatives or public relations or podcasts like these, we don't get our name out. So I believe that, you know, everyone shares it, but the growth team on the main KPIs around demand. I love that you call it growth team. I think it's, I think it's like one of our, our pals, Emily Kramer at MKT1 calls it growth and, and I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Any other thoughts on sort of overall marketing strategy or, or, or how, you, how you think about going to market? Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, I think in general, it's about meeting your customers where they are, right? And if you're in a market like talent acquisition, the market can be very segmented and, and saturated. So from a segmentation perspective, there are talent acquisition leaders that are not necessarily tech savvy. So they don't want to know the speeds and peeds or how our AI matching works within the Talroot platform. They want, they're an emotional buyer. They want to understand how do you help your customers? Can I read your case studies? That sort of thing. But what I've been seeing lately, actually, as I talk to customers and listen to gong calls is that customers sometimes are getting much more sophisticated and thinking about their HR tech stack. And so they want to know the differentiators about your platform. How is it better? How are you matching me with better candidates? How are you filling my pipeline? And why I'm explaining that is I think it's important to understand where your buyers are, right? How do they want to be communicated to? And so just make sure to think about that as you think about your your demand generation strategies. And then to your comment on the growth team, part of the reason why I call them the growth team is because it's really about experimenting. Like you have to make sure you can test new channels, test different methods. People want to be communicated differently. And so let's figure out what works for this market specifically and for our buyers. And that kind of test and learn mentality is really important. In this new world, marketing 4.0 or web 3.0 or whatever we want to say, they're listening on so many different places and in so many different formats. Like we at Caspian call it multi-channel, multi-format, where it's like they might listen to, you know, audio content in three different types of places. They might watch video content in four different, five different, 10 different types of places. They subscribe to apps. They, you know, read stuff by searching for it, they scroll around on social media and getting the right format in the right place is so hard to do, but it's so necessary. Absolutely. I always talk about it being a whole marketing ecosystem because it's not that black and white like switch of, well, webinars, those are the things that convert, right? You've got to think about their whole journey, where all the places they're researching and sometimes they're seeking out information and sometimes you're presenting them information, if that makes sense. Yeah. Any other pieces on, on strategy? I think don't forget that your customers, your customers can be your biggest advocate. That word of mouth marketing. I think we all know that it's money, right? We're like, yeah, but how do you do it? Even you keep engaging with them. And I think sometimes if you focus on growth as just 
net new customer acquisition all the time, you're going to forget that you've got people on the ground that can be your best marketers. So for Telru, for example, we've got Visible. It's a great tool. I'm I'm not sponsored by Visible. Maybe I should be. But (laughs) it's a great tool to talk about like the multi-touch journey. But through Visible, what I've learned, for example, is that sometimes in our webinars, let's say we've got a thousand attendees, 30% might be customers, which is crazy to me. That's crazy high. Like you've already bought the product, but they come back for that thought leadership and learning, and then they recommend others. And so don't forget about that kind of, I'm going to call it the hidden network, which is all these talent acquisition teams talk to each other across companies, right? It's kind of like inbound versus outbound, right? Where you're like, you can create great advocates for you that will receive inbound information and speak on your behalf all day, every day, right? If they get asked, you know, what company should I use? They're going to say Tauru, right? Like all day, every day. They're like, no questions. But getting them to do anything externally, to do an outbound motion, to be like, could you reach out to three friends? They're like, well, I don't know which friends and I don't know if they're in the market and I don't really want to be presumptuous. Like there's so many different barriers there. I don't know if you've had any experience sort of dealing with that. I'm not saying it's a silver bullet, but it's worked a couple of times where you have a referral program. So if they do happen to recommend someone, they get some sort of credit with us. It's a hiring a hiring credit. Cool. As soon as the other customer converts and that seems to help, that it's a mixed bag. Sometimes people still aren't willing to do it. They might feel uncomfortable for sure. Do you dedicate like marketing resources to it? Like how do you how do you run that program? Yeah, we have a referral program. So we reach out to you after you've been with Telru for 90 days. If you are a happy customer, high NPS score, all of that, we actually have an automated cadence of emails that goes out to you and says, hey, we have this referral program. It's cutely called Telru Tag. Thank you very much. <laughs> Tag someone else that you know. We've got a whole landing page and a campaign and it's tracked all within Salesforce. Does it work? Sometimes. And I will say that the people that are the referrers continue to do it, right? They want to continue to referring you and then sometimes it doesn't work at all. But I think it's good to have because you can't forget about that word of mouth marketing. Especially when you're thinking in the talent acquisition space, like I mentioned earlier, we've got so many franchises. Let's say you're a franchise owner that's got 10 stores and you know someone else that's got 20 stores. I want you to connect me to that person. One other thing that you had mentioned earlier that that I think, you know, in terms of this sort of people who are looking to improve their tech stack and the talent acquisition and then the other people who are more of emotional buyers, do you sort of like segment them differently based off of that? Like, you know, the segment within your persona or, or something like that? Because it seems like, you know, whether it's on the customer lifecycle or a maturity curve or the sort of like early adopters in the middle, like it just seems like a lot of people have that thing where they have like, this is how it is for emotional buyers and this is how it is for the more analytical buyers. But how do you get them to choose the right path of where they want to go? That's a great question. We definitely have different buyer personas like in our buyer deck and we do think about segmenting them. But where I use that data is to encourage when we're creating content to understand which are the personas that we're trying to create content for. Whether they're scrollers or searchers, to your point, we want to make sure that we've got both angles covered. Does that make sense? I love it. I just took a note. Great lesson. Any other pieces on on strategy? No, I'll just leave you with that. I like this saying, I, I say it to myself all the time, like sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. So just keep testing, right? Because every marketing is different. There's no playbook that you can, oh, I ran this playbook at this company and then it magically worked at the second company. 
there's a lot you can learn. But every market, every time period is different. I think, I mean, I've been at Telru now almost two years. When I first joined to where we are now, it's different, right? So it's not about having a rinse and repeat, repeat playbook. Well, isn't that the best segue to our next segment, the playbook? This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. Where we open up the playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win. What are three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable budget items? All right. One, I would say is email marketing. For talent acquisition, I've been pleasantly surprised how much people want to engage with us in email marketing. I was honestly wrong when I first joined. I was thinking that email marketing wasn't really how people wanted to be marketed to, but that's not the case in talent acquisition or not what we've experienced. Webinars. So thought leadership, people want to learn, especially in the uncertainty of the market. And what I mean by that is like, are we in a recession? Some people might say yes. Some people might say no. Regardless, it's net new path that a lot of people haven't been through before. So having thought leadership content that you promote through webinars has been really, really important. And then I would say doing things like this, actually. So podcasts and things that get your name brand out, it's all about customer mindshare. And how do you continue getting the talent name out or whichever company you work for? So those would be my three things that I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to compromise on. It's so interesting how content-driven and creative-driven all three of those things are. Obviously, there's all sorts of marketing tools and tech stack behind that powers all of that. But what you're emailing people, how you're emailing them, you know, what you're, what you're putting out there for them to learn about and how are you spreading the word, you know, quite as elemental as it gets in, in marketing, which is kind of funny. Truly, but sometimes they're called building blocks for a reason, right? So you just got to keep at it. Email marketing is something that, like you said, a lot of people are sort of either don't think works as well or, you know, whatever. I'm curious, like, what are, what are the, what are the ways to to do it right? Are you doing a big email blast? Are you doing short emails? Is it lots of information? Is it highly segmented? Yeah. How do you think about it? Yeah, I would say highly segmented is important, right? You want to make sure we go back to my, my tenants here, meeting people where they are. So we have a highly segmented email database, but we also test. So some of the times, for example, I'm going to say I never thought this would work. We have a newsletter that gets over 30% open rates and people click on it. People love the newsletter. The newsletter has three articles. We try to keep as much as we can above the fold and have call to actions that aren't just like raise your hand to talk to a salesperson, right? Mm-hmm. They want to be educated. They want to learn about something else, build them a path. But the newsletter works. <laughs> I'm not going to say that I would have, I would have, I wasn't the idea person around that. Let's have a newsletter, by the way. <laughs> but it, it, and then it's really segmented based on which market you're in, right? Are you in trucking? Are you in home healthcare? Are you in call centers? And then it's contents specific to that. I mean, for a long time, people have always said content is king, and I don't think that has changed. And so that's how we think about our email marketing. And again, test and keep looking at like trends and reports and how do we need to adjust this? Do we need to make this shorter or longer? Where are people engaging on the page? That sort of thing. You mentioned sort of like putting a bunch of stuff above the fold. Are you sort of saying that the lessons from the article are right there in their face and they don't need to click out? Is that kind of what you're saying? Correct. Yep. Right. Because people don't they people don't have a lot of time. And so make it easy for them. I feel the same way. You know, we do a bunch of newsletters for our different podcasts. And I've always felt that like I don't even care if you listen or if you read 
or if you just read the show notes or if you just see it on on LinkedIn, like it doesn't matter to me. It just if you if we're helpful and you get the information and you like it, then that's great. And I think so many people are just so obsessed with getting them off the device and back to their site instead of making the thing readable and accessible in the site. And I just like, yeah, drives me absolutely crazy all the time. I wholeheartedly agree. Or sometimes I think marketers want to overcomplicate it to like, well, what's the journey from the newsletter to the this to the that? I'm like, how about give them the meat? You know, like, where's the beef? That's what people want. And then they'll remember like, hey, the Talru email or the Talru newsletter, it helps me every single time. And I just have to look at that, you know? The the second piece, anything that you're doing specifically for, for webinars or is it sort of a similar thing, just, you know, hyper-personalized and, and sort of niche down with, with really relevant stuff? Actually, I have to really commend my team for this. They test webinar titles on landing pages. So we'll drive traffic to a landing page and understand which titles work better. And that's how we come up with our webinar titles. So things like Think Like a Marketer and Talent Acquisition or Recruiting is Like Sales, those are like one of our top two performing webinars. That's how we came up with those titles. And it res- like people respond to that versus putting Talru in the title. Or I mean, sometimes we've got partner webinars and we've got big logos. We don't put that in the title. So all of the messaging is tested first. And then those are like our top two performing webinars. I love Pretty it. Pretty impressive. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, any other any other things? Like, how do you measure success of, of webinars? Is it, you know, are you saying, is it strictly pipeline out of these things? Is it just, you know, people, you know, attending a lot? I would say that ultimately it's how much pipeline and revenue they drove. But we also just look at like open rates, attendance rates. Sometimes we get north of 50% attendance rates over people that RSVP'd, which I think is really good. That's amazing. And then when we... Start we started looking at the visible data. We have a lot of customers that attend. And then we started reaching out to them. We do surveys as well on the back end. What was helpful to you? Why do you attend? If you're a customer, why did you attend? And we get a lot of insight that way. Yeah. What, what types of stuff do people say? I'm curious. <laughs> a lot of times they're like, well, I'm here to learn or, or you guys are always giving us tips and tricks of how to do our job better. So our CEO has been in the space for over 20 years and he is the one that hosted both of those. So recruiting is like sales. A lot of times they're frustrated and they're like, yes, I get told no a lot. I have, you know, I've got a ton of churn. How do I think about a retention? And for example, one of the messages that we had is, you know, forget about retention. You're not going to be able to control that. Let's make sure you have enough candidates in your pipeline and at the top of the funnel. And people responded to that. So those surveys on the back end of the webinar also help us develop the next webinar because we understand what kind of content they're looking for for us. So it's been really helpful. The final thing is sort of, you know, the getting your name out there, going on podcasts, doing that sort of thing. Yeah. How do you think about that as a, as a program? How do you manage it? Yeah. The way I think about that is so brand measuring is hard, right? And like everyone has an opinion. How do you measure it? And I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into that, but ultimately I want to drive eyeballs to the Talru brand, right? Whether that's through the website, through other branding initiatives, what have you. We also do media interviews, that sort of thing. Because I just think it's important to get our our brand name out. Maybe that person isn't our perfect buyer. But when you're a company of our size and you're trying to build a brand, it's really important to have those eyeballs. And so honestly, the way I report on brand is quarter over quarter unique visits to the website. Inbounds, right? If If we don't know that they came from a different landing page and then landed there, how did they get there? They probably heard of us either on a web, on a podcast like yours or on a website somewhere else, or maybe we've got a sponsorship with Austin FC. It's great because oh, cool. they're winning. And they kind of, 
They've had a great season and we've got a QR code in the stadium that's been scanned several times. But we just assume like, is it a Saturday or did a bunch of people go to the website and look at Telgru.com? Oh, well, maybe they were at a soccer game in Austin. That's super cool. And they just got those brand new Yeti kits, which are freaking sweet looking. <laughs> yeah. Inexpensive. Or any other thoughts on Uncuttables? I just want to say this for all marketers because I, I still have to do this all the time. A lot of our, if you're a marketing leader, your job is education and you have to bring people along. So make sure you stay consistent with, okay, these are the things we're measuring. Here's why. These are why the, they're uncuttables, especially in a, in a market like we're in now where maybe people are having to justify what it is that they're doing and why are they spending on this and, and why is this kind of a, a very sacred activity? Explain all those things. Have transparency around the metrics, but you know, just continue beating that drum even on days when you're tired. And it can be difficult. Side note for anyone listening, go check out Telru.com and and go uh, go click around and go go tell your talent people if you're, if you're at a a big company that has a lot of essential workers. What is one brand or or marketing channel or tactic that maybe you think is something you're not going to be investing in? It's a great question. We haven't had a lot of success with Instagram, for example. And I have a lot of people ask me about TikTok. Yep. And I keep saying, if you can show me that our buyers are there, I can invest in that. Everyone always wants to bring up the hottest, latest social media platform or Instagram. To me so far, what I've noticed is that Instagram is definitely, it's a brand channel, but it's more engagement. Do Recruiting for ourselves versus for our customers. I haven't really seen a lot of talent acquisition buyers on Instagram, but I get asked that a lot. And currently we're not investing in Instagram or TikTok. Any campaigns that you've done in the past, a favorite campaign or anything like that? I would say we've had some really good success with account-based marketing. So I am spoiled at Telroom. We've got quite a great marketing tech stack. We use Sixth Sense to do some account-based marketing around the different segments that we support. So I'll start with trucking again, warehouse logistics. We did a, a big Q4 push, obviously, because of all of the holidays that happened in Q4 and people are buying things. And so we were able to reach a lot of our potential customers. Think of Amazon, FedEx, UPS, those as people of the world with our Q4 account-based marketing campaign. We invested quite a bit. And if you look at the number of impressions, it's astonishing, like how many impressions we had. But it also is super interesting to see how many people from the buying committee would go to Telru.com. Sometimes we had accounts that would have like 30 different people that were involved at some level, whether they saw an impression or engaged with us. And so that was just really interesting. And it's a good way to show ROI. How do you view your website? I think the website is basically our digital storefront, right? I want it to be a destination, whether <laughs> whether you found us through you know, paid media or scrolling or you were listening to a podcast. I want it to be a destination. I want it to be easy to navigate. Ultimately, of course, I want to drive conversions. But to me, it is, it's where people go and understand your brand voice and what you stand for. So with Telru, we really want people to understand what we do. We help you hire essential workers, but then we want you to learn from us. That, that's been a big strategy that has helped us tremendously. So if you go and you look at our website, it's mostly about like content that is helpful for our buyers. Okay, let's get into our next segment, the dust-up. Uh-oh. Here comes trouble. You may have heard that there was a dust-up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly. As we've got punches and kicks. 
where we talk about healthy tension, whether that's with your board, your sales teams, your competitor, or your two-year-old in the background about to take a nap. Can you, can you tell us, have you had a memorable dust-up in your career? A memorable, yes. Yes, of course, I've had a memorable dust-up. So I would say that my last one was really about our customer acquisition model. I think it's important for marketing leaders to make sure that they're on the same page with their CFO of what, how does the, how is the customer acquisition model built and that you're generating ROI for the company, right? There's always going to be healthy tension with your finance department probably because they're spending a lot of money on marketing, but I think about it as an investment and not budget. So one thing, I, as I always say, our marketing investment, like what is our marketing investment for the year versus our marketing budget? And then you just have to make sure that you're on the same page of, okay, this is how much it costs to acquire a customer. This is how much revenue we ultimately have to drive for this to be a cost-effective method and go from there. All right, let's get to our final segment of the day. Quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers. Just like how Qualified.com helps companies generate pipeline faster, tap in your greatest asset, your website, to identify your most valuable visitors and instantly, and I mean instantly, start sales conversations. Qualified is quick and easy, just like these questions. Go to Qualified.com to learn more. Martha, are you ready? I'm ready. Number one, do you have a hidden talent or skill that's not on your resume? I can grow plants. I have like 160 plants in my house. Get me a cutting, I can grow it. Do you have a favorite book, podcast, or TV show that, that you've been checking out that you like recently? Oh, so I listen to way too many podcasts probably to have a favorite there. I would say my favorite book right now is Think Again. If you haven't checked it out, it's been really reframing how I think things. And that's not me trying to make a pun, even though it ended up being that way. It's just a really fascinating book. And I just finished it. And I'm one of those people, I listen to a lot of audiobooks, but I like podcasts as well. I'm probably going to have to listen to it again. But Think again, The really Power good. of Knowing What You Don't Know by Adam Grant. Yeah. Cool. I haven't checked out Adam Grant's great, so that's fun. Good recommendation. Do you have a favorite non-marketing hobby that maybe indirectly makes you a better marketer? Maybe. <laughs> maybe so. So aside from plants, I build on my car. So I've got a forerunner and it's all tricked out, has a snorkel and a lift and all these things, right? But the reason I think it might make me a better marketer is because when I'm out, like I went to Utah, for example, and I went off-roading and you get to meet a bunch of people that also do crazy things to their forerunners and trucks and what have you. But I have learned to talk to people about what they like and uncover why they do the things they do. And I think it's really helped me from a marketing perspective because I think a lot of marketing is about human psychology and understanding the, you know, tips and tricks of what the, how their brains work. And I think that helps. What is your best advice for a first-time VP of marketing? Make sure that you have alignment with the rest of the executive team on what you're trying to measure and how you're going to measure it. I think we said this earlier, but a lot of our jobs as marketing leaders is to educate and maintain that alignment. And so you have to bring people along. You have to educate them. Be transparent about the metrics. There's no, in my mind, there's no need to spin them, if you will. Just educating the why, understanding why you're measuring this, understanding what it ultimately does for the business. It's going to help you in the long term get advocates on the executive team so that you can get more marketing investment. What is an MDR and how do you define that? 
market development rep. So I've got five MDRs on the team at Telru. They help us call on warm leads that are not yet warm enough to be called a marketing qualified lead or an MQL to go to the sales team. For example, if you registered for a webinar but didn't attend, our MDRs are going to call you. They help these lovely human beings help us convert all all of our leads into discovery calls ultimately and feed the sales team as well. So That's cool. And why that versus an SDR? To me, it's the differences between outbound and inbound. I think of SDRs being outbound calls. MDRs call inbound leads. And I really like, I advocate for this as well. I really like the closed feedback loop that we have because the team is within our department. So we understand what content is working, what content isn't. Where are the downloads happening? When the MDRs are on the phone with the prospect, they ask, you know, what did you look at? What did you value? And they can tell us, hey, this report isn't working or this webinar is working or it's just a great level of intelligence. And we listen. I have the whole team listen to you three to five gong calls a week. Everybody's got a quota. Well, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Thanks so much for joining. For listeners, you can go to Talaroo.com. We'll link it up in the show notes. They have some cool stuff over there. As I said, tell a friend. And Martha, any any final thoughts? Anything to plug? No, just thank you for thank you for having me. This was great. I want to tell you that the podcast has helped me a lot of times. I go and listen to it and like it helps center me and I go back to the basics because sometimes that's what we all have to do. Well, I, that's fantastic. I love to to hear that. That's very, very awesome. Thanks again to our friends at Qualified.com, a conversational sales and marketing platform that transforms the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more.